Does your bike need some love? Shimano Original Replacement Parts are the best way to renew the original function of your Shimano-equipped bike, available online and at your local retailer. The Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. Crafted in California, the LEL brand combines the latest technology with cycling tradition to deliver an experience that is authentically California. View their retail gear and custom program at lelcycling.com. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I am Celine Yeager, and I am back this week with my co-host, Patrick Brady. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits into our lives. Uh, it's been a couple weeks. How are you, Patrick? <laughs> I'm back to normal. I'm well slept. Uh, I am not sunburned, which uh, is something of a miracle. Uh, <laughs> the sun is bright in Costa Rica. Holy cow. I guess even this time of year, huh? I don't, I don't necessarily think of that, but it yeah. is tropical, eh? Well, it's the farthest south I have ever been in the Northern Hemisphere. It's it's south of Hawaii and south of Jamaica. Really? Yeah. See, I don't think of it that I must I must look at a map because I don't I would not put it there. Okay. Well, it's it you know the southern border for Costa Rica is up against Panama, and there's not much of Central America left after Panama. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I was in Costa Rica and riding bikes and doing other things that were not bikes and seeing lots and lots of flora and fauna that you will never see in California. It was awesome. And so that's going to be my pull. <laughs> okay, we'll save it for them. I have, I have questions, but I will save them. I will yeah, save them. Yeah. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. well, and let's... I barely remember what happened since last we talked, actually. Uh, <laughs> it seems like so much, but yeah, no, like before I... I Launched my pool. I uh, I um I was in Bentonville. So before you uh-huh. left, uh-huh. I was on my way to Bentonville, uh, Arkansas, for what I didn't know what was going to be called. I kind of figured it was going to be a gravel event. Like they mm-hmm. were, I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. It was all hush hush. Um, and it was for a preview of the Big Sugar, right? Which is lifetime, lifetime. To get everybody up to speed, Lifetime bought Dirty Kanza. Was that just last year? Uh, no, it was that. earlier this year. Or, was this wait, year? No, no, no. No, wait. No, it was last year, wasn't it? Well, last this year, year was the first time they ran it under the ownership of Lifetime. Okay. Good enough. That's all we need to know. <laughs> so since they, <laughs> since they bought it, this is their first event that they are launching post-acquisition um, of Dirty Kanza. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, there's going to be the Big Sugar... And the little sugar, the big sugar is 107 miles. Um, and the little sugar will be half that, whatever that is, 54. Um, and, it, you know, it was interesting. Have you, I know you've been there. We've been there together. Did you mm-hmm. ride much gravel when you were there? Nope. I've only done mountain biking. Yeah. Yeah. I, same here. Um, it's it's different. It's uh, It's chunky and punchy and wet. If I had to put three words <laughs> to describe it. Okay. Those would be the words with lots of loose dogs running around. When you do it, just... Beware, they're not, oh. they're not, they, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're out there in Arkansas and dogs just run free. So yeah. it's, yeah. Same deal in Tennessee, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't quite, it, it, you got used to it after a while. It was, ne- it was never menacing. Like I was never, you know, there was never an encounter like that, but it was definitely a lot of squirting dogs and telling them to go back home, um, <laughs> which, which was fine. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's funny, the, uh. The the course runs along because it's named after the Sugar Creek, which, oh. yeah. Okay, which well, runs, that answers a question I had. What was, why it's called the Big Sugar? Yeah. yeah. I, I did, too. I'm like, why would you call it that? I guess uh, I wrote about my article, but I can't remember. I think the creek, it butts right up against Missouri there. Like, you actually go into, it's on the state line. So you okay. actually cross over in parts. And, uh, you know, it's it's quite rugged. It's quite beautiful. The the gravel isn't like Kansas per se, but it is chunky and sharp enough that there were myriad flats. It's definitely the kind of thing that people are going to want to consider what they're running. They're tired. Okay. okay. Yeah. This will not be a day for 33s. 
No, I would I would say not at all. And it would not be a day to uh, go flimsy on sidewalls or anything of that. Like, it's just not worth it. I mean, Ted King flatted a couple of times, like many people flatted. Wow. More than one time. Um, Yeah. And it has a lot of stream crossings. I was surprised at how many times that we crossed maybe parts of the sugar, big sugar Creek. (laughs) You know, like we went. Yeah. Uh, The day. You know, it had rained, it had rained, which is, which is good and bad. Like it had rained two and a half days while we were down there. It washed out Outer Bike entirely, but that's another story. I felt so bad for them. Oh my God. We were sinking in mud. They weren't even letting bikes out. It was bad. It was bad. Um, I felt really bad for them. Like literally sinking, just sloshing and sinking in mud in the venue. And people like any bike they did let out just came back with derailleurs ripped off. And then at some point they just were like, no, 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 we're not doing this. Um, anyway, uh, so we started and it was misting rain, you know, and we were going to do one, uh, the whole 107, but because it was 40 degrees and like kind of raining, they're like, let's just make it 70, 70 ish. You know, we'll cut off, like we'll go, we'll start at the first aid station and take you guys from there. Just so, <laughs> you know, we weren't suffering for the whole day. Let's um, be stupid, but not insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> 70 gives you a really good idea, right? I mean, you don't yeah. need to do 107 to get the idea. But uh, it wasn't, you know, I, I was pretty comfortable. I was in a new shake dry jacket and was not cold, you know, doing a lot of the ride. And you go through a creek immediately. So we were wet immediately. <laughs> it didn't it didn't even matter. Um, and then from a, about five miles out from the brewery, there's a whispering creek, I think it's called. I might have that wrong, but it's a, it's going to be an aid station at mile 70 something. It was 50 for us. Um it started really raining, like really raining. And it was 41 degrees. Oh. So by the time we rolled into the brewery, everybody was like hypothermic, like completely hypothermic, shaking, gun could not be able to stop shaking. And I, not being my first rodeo, had packed dry base layer and a dry jersey and a mm. spare jacket. So wow. it was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Yuri had done the same because we had both been on rides like that before change and it stopped raining so we were able like him and i and just a handful of people were able to finish it which i was pretty stoked about so i got to see most of the course which finishes it's to race this thing is going to be extremely hard like they're super stoked about it because unlike kansas your road tactics are out the window it's like because it's so punchy and because Mm -hmm. it's so chunky you're not going to keep anyone together you know like it's it's just not going to work and the end it goes over like these two like steep blues really hard not long but hard and at the end i I think at mile 105 you're really gonna feel it you know and it might actually be a hilltop finish they haven't decided yet which would be kind of cool because otherwise it goes out into town it would end down at crystal bridges oh yeah well that which is cool (laughs) but you'd have to stop that whole boulevard all day you know like there's a lot of logistics there that they don't know if they want people racing down that road all the way to Crystal Bridges. So it would be cool just to stop there and just cruise into town. Like Rebecca's race does that stops out of town. So anyway, that's uh, registration is going to open for that November 15th. And I think it's going to close pretty quickly. Mm. Uh, you know, it's definitely worth if people are interested, you know, heads up. Like it, I'm already thinking about it. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be cool. And my point with the rain was going to be we we could ride everything. It's it's sandstone. Mm-hmm. So it just holds water super well. It's never, never packs up on your bike. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's a <laughs> little soft. Without and, bike. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it was, it was, everything was super rideable, even though we had, it had, had been lots and lots of rain going into it. So I think that's like, that's a nice big check in the plus column for that. Cause it's not fun to push your bike or have a bike covered in clay. In my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, not my first favorite. Or no, not at even all. my second uh, and then last weekend here we mm-hmm. had rock and road, um, oh. which was an inaugural event uh, outside of the, it started at the Velodrome or the Lehigh Valley Cycling Center, which it is known as now, or I think Valley Preferred Lehigh, Valley Preferred Cycling Center. I got to get my sponsorship right. Um, it was cool. It was, I had sort of backburned it and not really thought about it because it's, you know, it's in my backyard, but it was really, really great. I just want to give a little shout out to this event because they did a really sweet job. Uh, Andrea Toffee, is that how you say his name? The oh. gladiator? He was uh-huh. there. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, which was cool. Um, 
Uh, he won Paris Roubaix in 1999. You know, yeah. For those who who don't know, and I, he wanted to make another shot of it. Remember a couple of years mm-hmm. ago? Yeah. Uh, and he broke his collarbone, and that didn't happen. He's super super nice. I don't know if you ever met him. He's very very no. nice human being. Um, anyway, I had been sort of dancing around the volcano, uh, as I say, especially after Bentonville, which is my term for like, I'm in good form, but at any moment I could fall into the fire and just go up and, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's so, been a little while, but I do remember. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's kind of what, that, that's, that's what I, I've always termed that feeling of like the end of the season and maybe I've got one more event in me, but maybe I'll just go up in flames. Um, yeah, so I, I just really wasn't sure this is actually, a you know, it's a race, but not a race. Like, they, they give awards to the top man and the top woman. They don't do a whole bunch of age groups and all that. Um, and they have some some Strava segment stuff, too. But anyway, it, re- it was interesting because uh, this was a day where I really think a gravel bike made a difference. Uh, oh. You know? Yeah. So it's rock and road, which means exactly what it sounds like. It was a lot of pavement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, interest interspersed with some smooth gravel and some pretty chunky stuff like the big climbs. It goes over bake, ev- bake oven knob, which is a no winter maintenance road. And it's rough, you know, climbing. Mm-hmm. It's not bad, but descending the thing, it's very chunky, uh, can be loose, big rocks, small rocks, loose piles of things. Um, and I was on my open, you know, with 38 my g1s that i ride all the time okay and Uh a lot of the other people a lot of the other women were on either road bikes or cross bikes and so going up i felt like i was working a little harder you know like with the big tires and stuff but made up mad time on the descents i was passing people i had no business passing like bobby lee you know because he was on 25s which bobby that was not really not i told you that was not the best (laughs) anyway it was a joy to pass him on the descents um, and not even worry about it. But so I came in first woman and I was really psyched. And Andrea Taffy gave me an award at the end of the day. Oh, so, wow. That's, yeah, right? I mean, that's almost cooler <laughs> than, than the award. Is get, you know, Who gave you the award? The award is super cool, though. Can I tell oh, you? This local please? blacksmith made it. So it's like a chunk of rock with this iron casted monkey head on it. It's amazing. I'll have to send you a picture. Yeah, you will. It's phenomenal. It's amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was exciting. That was like a really sweet end to my season. And today I went back into the gym as my off season officially uh, started. And that kind of segues very neatly, I, I think, into my poll, which is a listener question. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so for this week, we have, hi, Celine. I thought for Paceline, riding when older. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why am I not answering this? <laughs> I, yeah, no, I know. And he doesn't, I don't actually know what older means. Like I hear people with their 30 talking about older and I'm like, hush your lips. Like, come on. Um, so I don't know how old this gentleman is. He could be, let's, he's just older. And he says, so when riding for PRs transitions to riding for the joy of it, it can be a difficult journey to go from passing to being passed and still have a passion to go out and do your best. Changing my fitness goals and rediscovering the fun and exploration via bike, yay, mixed surfaces, uh, <laughs> has helped me temper the sense of loss and feeling that I should have done a lot more yoga, smiling emo- emoticon. Um, <laughs> I look forward to hearing your take on a future pace line. And I thought this was an excellent, excellent thing because it's something yeah. that if you don't wrestle with it, you're going to wrestle with it at some point. It's definitely something that I have, you know, over like been slowly sort of creeping into like wrestling with and having to sort of change things, a lot of things, Mm -hmm. which, you know, brings me into that part of it. So there is definitely a decline in performance as we age. That's just inevitable. I mean, we don't just go from the peak to the grave, you know, like it doesn't work that way unless something terrible happens and you don't want that to happen anyway. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. the alternative is worse. Um, But sometimes after 40, I'm going to say definitely after 50, mm-hmm. muscle starts slipping away. You know, hormonal and metabolism changes start to occur that make you more inclined to store fat um, and your body composition is changing. So your your muscles leaving and you're, it's easier for you to store fat. Your recovery slows down. So all that stuff, like it just it just adds up. You know, it is what it is. Um, 
as I went to the gym today, strength training helps a lot. It really does. Uh, lifting heavy is one of the best things you can do to stem that loss because it helps you maintain a healthy growth hormone and body composition. Again, nothing is going to make you go from n- nothing is going like I, I never want to make people think like that they're never going to get any slower no matter like you will. But it does. It makes a big difference. I mean, you can go from you can take what might be a five to 10 percent loss if you do nothing, you know, and take that to a two to three percent loss per year by doing that. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, intervals matter. High intensity interval training, you know, also triggers fat burning. It triggers healthy uh, hormonal growth hormone releases, decreases levels of visceral fat, which is the stuff that sits around your organs and your abdomen. Oh, and uh-huh. that's. Yeah, and that's what causes like a lot of metabolic problems, heart disease, et cetera. So if you can manage that, that's great. Um, you know, and of course, things we always talk about, diet, recovery, sleep, all of that increases in importance. Like the more you can take care of yourself, you can get away with less. I used to be able to like sleep four to five hours and feel great. That does not happen anymore. If I get five hours at night, I'm I'm kind of wrecked. I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's what it is. Um but, you know, that's that's the physical stuff. And I I think that the real adjustment that will make our listener and others happy um, is really the attitude. And the attitude will also help motivate you to do the other things, too, I think. Because at some point, if you ride long enough, you will definitely be passed more than you are passing. Like that, at some point, and I don't care, like maybe you'll be 80, whatever you are, but at some point, you're going to be passed more than you're passing. Yeah. And, you know, I'll tell you what, my friend Bill Humphreys, uh-huh. who I had did a tandem with, and if people haven't listened to it, you should, because it's hilarious and very uh, insightful. Um, he's 75 this year. You know, he just wow. had his 75th birthday. And Bill Humphreys, for those that don't know, was one of the original Raleigh boys, one of yep. the first Americans to go over to Europe, you know, broke down a lot of doors, was fit and fast. and Yeah, a badass, uh, a certifiable badass. He was, he was an absolute badass. I mean, there's no question about it. Like no question about it. Um, he's 75 and he, he, I believe that he just like epitomizes the right attitude. Like he, you know, it's a matter of appreciating that there are phases in your life, right? That, that everybody's life has phases and pretty much everyone gets their turn, you know? And you, you, you've had your, you, you, he had a great run at racing. He knows that he knew what it felt like to be fast and furious and pass everybody. And I can fully appreciate that. Like I look at those years, like it used to be a lot easier to stay fast or to be fast, you know, like, but that's at some point that you pass that torch and you appreciate you watching other people. Like, I, like there's women, you know, in my community, I'm like, just I get a lot of joy and just like watching them go through the same process and, you know, improve and, and have that moment in the sun. And it's great. Like we like supporting people makes you feel better about yeah. yourself. Like it, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a good thing. And you can also appreciate that you don't need to put the same pressure on yourself. Like it's nature's way of taking some pressure off of you. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't do the same cross country races anymore. I haven't for a few years because Honestly, it would just frustrate me. Like it would make me, it would make me a little sad inside because I used to be really fast on those courses and I wouldn't be as fast and I would be wandering around in circles wondering what I'm doing. You know, like it would just be reminding me of something that I had and don't. And I I just don't like, that's me. I just don't feel the need for that. I know people who, who do those same races over and over and they still get satisfaction Mm -hmm. of, Mm -hmm. you know, winning age groups. That's what age groups are for, for sure. Yep. You know, or all that. And that's great. If that works for you, great. But if it's not making you happy inside and if it's only making you remember what you could do, stop doing it. Like, stop doing it. Uh, For me personally, I found that a really good solution for those feelings is just finding new things that you haven't done before. So you have no sense of comparison and you have a lot of sense of discovery, you know, so Mm -hmm. it could be touring, bikepacking. It could be some giant gravel challenge like a big sugar or a little sugar. Um, Find something that makes you look outward and not inward is, I think, really Mm -hmm. important. You Mm -hmm. know, like Mm -hmm. 
I, I, I try really hard to find those things that are making me look like, wow, look at that. Look at where I am. Look at what I'm doing. Look at all these cool people. Look at all this stuff instead of like, oh, wow, I kind of slow. I kind of, you know, like instead of that, just turn your turn yourself outward. Um, and something that just allows you to appreciate like the beauty and the fun and all the stuff that you started riding a bike for to begin with. Like that, in my mind, is how you go it you know ride into the sunset of your later years is just like a little bit of an attitude adjustment and you know yeah i'm not saying you need to get up in the rocking chair or you know whatever <laughs> right you can still be cleats. yeah you can still be you know competitive you can still do all that stuff but it is you know you don't want you don't want to constantly be looking back and you don't want to constantly be living in that other place. You can appreciate what was and be proud of that, but still like look forward and look literally look forward to things, look forward to a cool ride, look forward to doing some sort of ride with friends, look forward to some sort of trip, like some sort of event. Um, so that's, that's my two cents on it. You, yeah. I'm sure you must have, I mean, you've talked, we've all, we've talked about this yeah. in other capacities. It, you know, I, I want to say it was probably a good 10 years ago, maybe even a little longer when I started realizing that, you know, yeah, I was, I had definitely given up fitness that I wasn't getting back and that, you know, what I was seeing, what I'd already experienced, I was going to experience a lot more of. And mm -hmm. it, I, for me, I'd like to try to age with some grace. I'd like to be able to embrace where I am in my life and not try to play like I'm 40 when I'm 55. I want to be out there. I like being out there. Uh, I like doing the grasshoppers, uh, even if I sometimes finish in the bottom 10. Uh, but, you know, there, there's that sense of community I get from going out and doing those events. And so that keeps me interested in doing them. But I'll admit that like the longest of the grasshoppers, super skags, I don't know how many more times I can do that uh, unless I really start doing some serious gym time and right. figure out some other diet stuff. That that is really at the very edge of of my ability in, in this current body. And I want to weigh, you know, how hard do I do I want to work at my fitness goals versus just saying, this is who I am now. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to chase something that I'm not. Well, and, and beyond that, you made me think of something when you were saying that is that, you know, I spent a lot of uh, my daughter's younger years racing an awful lot. And that was mm -hmm. fine. Like there were times like she could come along, you know, she wasn't at the race itself, but it would make a family trip of it. Or she was with my mom and now her and my mom have a really great relationship and I cherish that. But you know, now that she's older, ironically, like, I feel like she needs me more. And so that's okay. Like, that's okay. Like, I feel like I don't need to be racing every weekend. And if I, if I'm not putting in quite the same hours and I'm not, you know, chasing whatever, that's okay too. You know mm -hmm. I mean? It's like, it's, it, it's, it's okay to look at your, and I think as you get older, it, it's maybe a little easier or should be easier to look at that really broad picture of your life, you know, and like go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, like that's all right. I don't, I don't, I did all that. I did that for a bunch of years. Mm -hmm. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to do yeah. it this Saturday. I can do, I can do this other thing. This, I can go to temple and do a college visit with my daughter or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. that is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to line up for a crit ever again. I just don't yeah. that yeah. what that would take to be something other than exhaust spit out the back, you know, <laughs> it's is just, always a good time. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there are so many other things that have become really interesting because yeah. I'm not, well, not because, but I am not obsessed with making sure I get in every single ride during the week, you know, at the right length and right intensity and all that. I've managed to let go of that. And so like this Saturday I'm doing a trail day. I'm going to yeah, help my club go build new single track. Which and is great. that, that fills something in me and the, the feeling and you're I get giving about, back. I mean, somebody else yeah. is doing that when you were making sure you hit every workout, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
And so, you know, yeah, it's my turn. And hopefully I'm going to be able to start getting my boys out some on some of those trails. And, you know, certainly, you know, I've got a 10 year old and I'm not going to say how old is your oldest? 10? 10. And how old's the the other is six. Yeah. And so there's, you know, when I start taking them on those trails, we're not going to be hauling around them. It's just going to be trying to get them around. And so it's nice to be in a place where I don't feel like, oh, I'm missing out on some workout that I need to be doing. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. It's it. You know, it's nice that, you know, my age and ability is lining up with my psychology. Yeah, that helps. I feel I feel similarly. I mean, we're, we're yeah. our kids are in different places for sure. But um, yeah, it does help. It does. Yeah. help. And, yeah. you know, when I was doing all that, I never thought like this is going to be me forever. You know, this is how like it, it was. It was an exploration of something that, you know, was a good, I don't know, eight year run or something like of, of really intense, you know, but mm-hmm. it wasn't meant to be forever. You know, yeah. I still certainly enjoy like it's a big treat when I can win a local race or something. It's a giant treat, you know, but like yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah, Just absolutely. Take, take those for everyone I can get. <laughs> <laughs> and why not? You know? Yeah. Uh, but I, I, you know, I appreciate that someone wanted to ask that question. I, I you know, it's a, it's I think a, really a lot of people question. struggle with it. They don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's the kind of thing that'll, that, that a lot of people struggle yeah. with this and, and people, you know, I mean, I've seen people kind of just leave the sport for a while. And I and I, I suspect it's some of that is because of that, you know, and I and that's OK. I mean, if 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 they're not getting the satisfaction because of that and that's where they got their satisfaction, and they're getting it somewhere else. That's OK, too. You know, it's, I think it's just a matter of finding your your path in it all. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that for some people that to let go of the cyclists they were they might actually have to take a break, you know, whether yeah. it's six months or two years, they yeah. might need to take a break and go, okay, this is, you know, the next time we do this, we're going to be doing it differently. Yeah. However you get to that point is not terribly important. It's, it's being able to accept where you are and then find an expression of cycling that fits for that. And totally. more and more, yeah, I well, it's like when I did the California Coast Classic, uh, I was not riding with the fastest riders there. I was riding with other people and I was riding sort of in service to them, you know, giving other people my draft. And I can't conceive of another way to do that event that would have given me more enjoyment than that. And so I'm, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting lucky and making some pretty good choices here and there. That's really nice. Yeah. Well, we also make some of our luck. So anyway, <laughs> hope that answers your question. It should give you a lot of food for thought, if nothing else. Yeah. Cool. We're going to take a break for our sponsor, Shimano, and then we'll be back to see what Patrick has to say. We're going to take a short break for our sponsor, Shimano, and we'll be right back. At Shimano, we love riding, and we know you do too. As a small repayment, for all the joy your bike has brought your life, we encourage you to maintain your bike regularly. Genuine Shimano replacement parts will keep your Shimano-equipped bike running smoothly. Whether your bike is built with 105, XTR, or our new gravel group, GRX, a well-maintained bike will operate better and go faster. Worn out a chain? Consider that a badge of honor. You've been riding a lot. Does it sound like metal on metal when you hit your rim brakes? That's a sign it's time for new brake shoes. What if your disc brakes don't feel as crisp as they used to? Cool, you've been going fast. Give them a bleed. Does your chain skip on smaller cogs? You're using all your gears, and now your cassette is shot. Is that old saddle creaking? It may be fatigued because of all the miles you've put in. Consider a saddle from Shimano's Pro line of components. And what about your feet? Cleats can and do wear out, especially the right cleat. If you're a cyclocross racer, whether it is the plastic cleat on a road shoe or metal SPD cleat, they can and do wear out. To keep that love burning bright, show your bike a little TLC and take it by your nearest Shimano dealer to keep it running just like when it was new. Okay, we are back with the Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick, what is your pull this week? 
Well, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we missed recording last week because of me. I was out of town and not just out of town, out of the country on a bike tour in Costa Rica. (laughs) (laughs) As a cyclist, my ideas for vacation destinations, they've tended to hew along known cycling locales, places that are popular among cyclists. The Alps, the Pyrenees, Tuscany, the Côte d'Azur, heck, even Northern California. (laughs) But I have to admit that Central America, broadly speaking, and Costa Rica in specific, hadn't really been on my list. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you, that was a mistake on my part. Yeah. Had you ever thought about doing uh, La Ruta? I, I mean, just in the in the broadest fantasy sort of way, you know, oh, wow, you know, go, go yeah. mountain biking in a jungle. Right. Um, how interesting that would be. <laughs> and, you know, but I did I ever really think about maybe I should look into, you know, the, the entry fee and what the logistics. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not yeah. even close. Yeah. Uh, same time. Yeah. Uh, but so I got invited to join the first bike tour put on by Miguel Crawford who is the promoter of the Grasshopper series here in Sonoma County. He's been taking school groups to Costa Rica for years. He's a Spanish teacher in high school. And given his knowledge of the country and support by the company that provides logistics uh, for his tours, he figured, uh, you know, this is the time to branch out. Six of us flew into San Jose, boarded a bus with our guide, Eduardo, and a, a bus driver. And then we headed for Arenal, northwest of San Jose. And there's a volcano there and a lake, Volcano Arenal. And I mean, it is this child's depiction of a cinder cone rising from the floor <laughs> of the valley. It's just perfectly, whoop, there it is. You, you look at it and there's no confusion on your part about it. Could be anything else other than a volcano. I think there used to be actually a, an event that went around the volcanoes in Costa Rica. Does that sound familiar? Uh, it was not no. La Ruta. It was another event. Anyway. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Proceed. Yeah. I, now, the thing is, I kind of wondered what we were in store for ride-wise because, <clears throat> you know, this is Miguel Crawford. He mm. puts on the hardest sub 100 mile event I've ever managed to finish. Uh, or, or even start. <laughs> I <laughs> have finished it both times. <laughs> Our rides mixed road with dirt roads. Uh, and what I was to learn was that single track is not really a thing in Costa Rica. That hmm. surprised me. I thought that surprised they got me jungles. Too. They got, you know, all the necessary stuff. And then Mig explained to me, well, jungles grow quickly <laughs> and they grow so quickly that unless you were Ending the tra- the trails weekly, they're just going to get completely overgrown. That in never two even weeks. occurred to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that makes sense. Then it was like, oh, okay. So it's yeah. dirt roads. Even without single track, the riding there is difficult. Flat roads were in as short supply as McDonald's. Two things <laughs> for which I honestly I was grateful. <laughs> While riding around Arnall was rolling, uh, riding in Turrialba which is east of San Jose, a couple hours away from where we were in Arenal, that was really mountainous. Uh, The place we stayed was at about 4,000 feet, and the roads there, whether paved or not, uh, were steep in a way that I'm going to say someone who rides grasshoppers would be impressed by. (laughs) Just all double digits. It was was so steep. One of our rides, we were driven up to 10,000 feet of elevation. Get out of here. I'm not going to get out of here. Did you? It's a it's a mountainous country. It really is. Uh, wow. And crazy beautiful. I mean, like like a tropical Switzerland. Interesting. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. Right. So we were driven up to 10,000 feet and began a descent that was going to end with us at 2,000 feet of elevation. Wow. Along the way, like there's an, an initial descent and then we had to climb a thousand feet back up and then resume our descent. It was, it was crazy. Most of the early descent was was dirt, and then it eventually turned into paved road. But both were just unrelentingly steep. A what were you times, on? I was on a soft tail, uh, for, a four inch travel bike uh, okay. from Canyon, the Lux. Oh. 
Oh, okay, actually, cool. it's 110 front, but 100 rear. Yeah. Um, That's a good and one. It was, it was perfect for what that riding was. But yeah, so there were a couple of times when the road was sort of straight enough and smooth enough that I'd steal a quick look down at my GPS to see what the grades were. And I was seeing numbers like 16, 19, <laughs> 24. <laughs> it was, it was really, really something. When we got near the bottom, a couple of us pulled over to let the group recollect and we sprayed water on our rotors just to see <laughs> how hot they were. Steam rose. <laughs> I it was, believe it. It went in steam rose. I was wow. just, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I guess, yeah, I guess we have been breaking pretty hard. What I really hadn't counted on with the trip was just how much effort Miguel and our guides at Explora Natura had put into the off the bike experiences. So we did a tour of a rainforest. There were walking paths and hanging footbridges and they were, you know, like crazy shaky or a hundred feet mm-hmm. above the forest mm-hmm. floor. And, you know, we saw howler monkeys and toucans yeah. and just awesome. Yeah, you know, stuff that just does not come to California, even in some of the zoos. It was it was really, really nice. And then there was a canyoneering experience that we did that was even more fun. That was like the second non-cycling thing we did. There was rappelling down waterfalls. Uh <laughs> and we were there during just torrential rain. I had my oh, rain jacket on. I saw pictures. <laughs> <laughs> we we were like soaked rats. Uh, but then Do they have a rainy know, season. Is it a rainy season or is it just tropical and it just rains? Uh-huh. <laughs> they have a, they have a rainy season, but it also just rains a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think it rained at some point almost every day while we were there. It's uh, tropical. Yeah. Yeah. At one point I made a crack to someone in a text back home. I said, Oh, it's been about two hours since it last rained. So we're about due. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean like we were doing zip lines in this thing. It was, that's cool. It was really, really neat. Um, you know, zooming through all these trees and just, it was so thick and lush. Um, I've, you know, I've never experienced anything quite like it. Um, and then we did, uh, our, our, what I'll say is our single best day, uh, came following another ride heavy on descending but we went whitewater river rafting on the Rio Pacuare. So our bike guide, Eduardo, his first love is actually running rapids, either by raft or kayak. He, he's part fish or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, He let us down what were mostly class two and three rapids, but there were some stretches of class four that made things very exciting. Very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We almost lost Miguel at one point. He got bounced. Uh, I thought his feet were in the right position, but he got bounced and lost his oar. <laughs> and I took, I was sitting right behind him and I looked at him and thought, should I like grab him and make sure he's fully back in the raft? And I thought, no, cause if I do that, we'll both be out. Right. Right. We I don't need two victims. <laughs> I don't have the ability to help him. So I'm just <laughs> going to keep paddling as Eduardo says. Uh, and he had like coached us on, you know, saying forward and back and, you know, all all the various commands and made us practice them. And he did a heck of a job getting us through some what were a couple of rather dicey situations. So were um, you in helmets and stuff? Is it that yeah, dicey? Yeah. 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 Uh yeah. Vests, helmets. Well, I, um, I would expect vests for sure. But, yeah. Um yeah. but also like, you know, he was showing us how to hold our oar so that the end of the oar couldn't like smash our teeth or nose. Um, you know. That's good advice. Keep, yeah. keep your hand on it. Uh, yeah. And then you had to wedge your feet in under some of the, the inflated parts of the raft to keep yourself there. Uh, it was, I mean, there was definitely some know-how even for us newbies. Um, and, you know, the, the class four stuff, I, it was, it was no joke, but oh, I, I, I bet, you know, the water was reasonably warm. I don't know, maybe 80 degrees. It was a little cool to your skin, but not like Northern California cool where you're chattering. So there'd be a little, (gasps) as you got splashed, but you know, there were a couple times on relatively still stretches of the river 
where we jump in the water and swim around a bit and float a little. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, that, that one adventure within the larger trip was just so memorable. So much fun. That's awesome. And, yeah. And, uh, we had some other guides who were in uh, kayaks kind of keeping an eye on things at all times. So it was a very professional operation. Our last full day we spent in a beachside town, wandering the beach, napping, digging the local wildlife, playing in the surf. There was a cafe near our resort that had an air conditioned room in which you could taste artisanal chocolates. Mm. They that had free samples. And there must have been like two different, two dozen different kinds of chocolate that they had. You know, there was a, a margarita one where there was a little bit of lime and some sea salt mm. in it uh, and some distilled essence of tequila or something. Wow. I don't know what. Just all sorts of different stuff. Some with pepper, some with cinnamon. Just <laughs> all sorts of different. But, you know, they had a whole bunch of single plantation chocolate, the kind of the chocolate answer to single vineyard wines. And so you could taste what each of the different plantations was, was producing. That's amazing. It was. And I mean, I ate a bunch of chocolate. I mean, I went back to some of them two and three times trying to figure out which one I wanted to buy. I dropped more than $30 on chocolate. That's just a Tuesday for me, Patrick. But that's fine. <laughs> I will also say uh, the place is called Carabines. So mm-hmm. for anyone who gets this town, and I can't even pronounce the town, it's like 46 letters. But I had the single best chocolate milkshake of my entire life at that place. I mean, wow. I, I know from milkshakes. <laughs> That thing was ridiculous. On our way out of town, heading for San Jose at the end of the trip, we made the bus driver pull over and stop there so that we could all get milkshakes. I had raved wow. about them so much. I sold other people on the milkshakes. Yeah. Sweet. It was literally it was good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the the wildlife, I saw things that I've only ever seen in TV or books. You know, I meant again, howler monkeys, toucans, but there have to be something on the order of like 50 different varieties of hummingbirds in Costa Rica. I, oh, that's I saw a bunch of different colors of hummingbirds. There were parrots, parakeets. I saw poison dart frogs. Okay. There were a bunch of those, but I saw the little uh, green and black one. It was mm-hmm. at this resort we were staying at. There were crabs that were very multicolored, like blues and greens. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was really neat. I also saw a fair de lance which is one of the world's deadliest snakes. It's a kind of pit viper. And back when I was a kid into snakes in junior high school, you know, I devoured books on snakes and I remembered that, you know, it's a beautiful snake. It's got all these great diamond markings, kind of reddish brown and maybe a little sandy color to it, but it's ill-tempered and aggressive. You know, think- Where did you see the snake? Well, it was kind of coiled around the tines of a rake the one of the grounds crew uh, guys had found it and then he'd gotten a buddy and they're like, okay, we got to go deal with this. They're grounds crew. So they're not, you know, the part of the upper echelon of the staff there. They spoke no English, but they wanted to make sure that I saw it. I was like, check this out. It was a baby, which is to say, oh, maybe only 14 inches, but it was <laughs> all kind of coiled up in the tines of the fork. And I'm looking at it and I got a picture of it. And I was like, and they can't say to me, fair to Lance. Uh, and so I'm looking and they're, they're <laughs> pantomiming bite, <laughs> bite with their hands. So I'm staying back. But I went to the Googles, as you do, and looked up the fair to Lance. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that was a fair to Lance. OK, wow. cool. I've seen one of the world's deadly snakes, not behind glass. Wow. I'm I'm finished with that now. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, to kind of cap it all off, uh, there was a sloth which came cruising through our restaurant one night. I saw the picture hanging from the beam. That was yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like most of the restaurant was tourists, which is to say that most everyone in the restaurant stopped eating and just watched the thing move at like 0.35 miles <laughs> per hour. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I mean, whatever you think about a sloth and how slowly it moves when you see one on TV in real life, 
it's even slower. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> it is. It is. It was so patient and so nonchalant. Just one limb at a time. Gonna <laughs> get there. And there were minutes where we were all just kind of staring up at it. So the thing I think that is most remarkable about the trip that I did is that so often I go to a place and I leave feeling like I've only seen a movie preview mm-hmm. and that I'm going to need to return to see the full feature. That was absolutely my experience with Corsica a few years ago, which was, okay, next trip back to Europe, more Corsica. I, right. I just, I can't wait to go there again and dig deeper. This is the one occasion I can recall where I feel like I got the greatest hits album. The trip was rich enough and diverse enough that I can honestly check Costa Rica off my list. If I don't ever go back, it's okay. If I go back, it'll be cool as hell. And I'll want to try to do some other stuff. I could easily take my kids to one of those all-inclusive resorts and just stay in the pools all day or all week. Uh, We had a, a, a water slide at one of our resorts i mean there was a the poolside bar was in the water right the the bartender it was all dry back there but i'm sitting you know chest deep in water on a metal bar stool i've been to those (laughs) that was awesome they're cool yeah but you know without american lawyers to say oh you can't build that stuff the water slide was awesome you hit the water (laughs) i don't know 14 16 miles an hour uh Trying to, you know, we were busy playing with all the kids, trying to see who could make the biggest splash. It, it was, we could have done that for another week easily. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I got to say, Miguel is really on to something. This was in its own way, the most physically demanding bike tour I've ever done. I've done, you know, certainly tours that were harder from the cycling standpoint yeah, yeah. yeah but i mean this required more overall fitness than anything else i've ever done and i was i was just super impressed it was low key but still you know taxing i mean i was i was very tired at the end that's <laughs> worn cool. out yeah just he did a hell of a job and i really hope that these take off from miguel because he really puts a, put together something very special And for people who want to have a chance to go and ride their bike and have that experience of seeing someplace they've never been before, but also experience it in other more touristy ways. This was just such a lovely balance. I was, I didn't know what to expect and it was better than what I was willing to hope for. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you been anywhere in Central America? I have not. I mean, you're this is you're killing me. This is making me really want to. Uh, I got invited <laughs> to go to Costa Rica a couple times for the La Ruta, and uh-huh. I was just like, nah. And I, I mean, I just nothing about that ever looked appealing to me. Um, and it was always really, really late in the season, and just like, yeah. uh, just not. Well, doing it was going it. while we were there. Oh yeah, and at, and at one point uh, near Turrialba when we were. That, t- that day we were driven up to 10,000 feet. We were actually on a portion of what they use for that course. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And that convinced me, although it's never going to be run quite the same way anymore. They're moving it. Uh, I, I, I got the story, but I can't remember all of it. I, if they were going to continue to run La Ruta in Costa Rica the way they've been doing, I would not be interested. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was, I mean, again, never those, sounded appealing. those roads are so steep. I've never yeah. seen anything like well, it in my life. Those bridges are super sketchy and like people get lost. It just never sounded, you're pushing your bike because it's tons of mud. It just never sounded appealing. But yeah. And that's something coming from you. Yeah. No, I, 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 <laughs> I thought about it long and hard. It just never, it just never sounded like something that I, like, there were so many other things that sounded like better to do that I always just <laughs> did those things instead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but no, Brazil, I mean, I raced in Brazil, which was phenomenal. Okay. Um, but, you know, that's out, that South America, I've never, I've never done anything in Central America. So mm. that's, that sounds very appealing. Well, I know a guy. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> we might have to talk. Yeah. Uh, heck of a job, you know. I, I really hope this does well for him. Alrighty. Paceline Picks. What do you got? Paceline Picks. Um, I have a completely self-serving one this week, and it's gravel. 
uh, my book is out. So, Yay! Yeah, so um, it's funny. I Like, I always, like, very candidly and honestly, I feel like vomiting the day my book comes, a book comes out. I honestly feel like hiding under the covers and just maybe just going, leaving the covers to go throw up. Because um, I just get really, I'm super nervous. There was a lot yeah. of work. I'm afraid that it won't be well received. I'm afraid that I've messed something up or somebody else has messed something up or I, you know, whatever. I'm a catastrophic thinker. So it's always, people are always like, Oh, are you psyched? And it's just, we've had this discussion before. Like I don't usually get psyched about stuff that I'm super nervous about. Um, <laughs> yeah. So now I can talk joyfully about it because it's been, you know, people are sending great messages to me and I'm hearing really lovely things and they're posting Instagram stuff and it's making me super happy. So um, you know, I mean, I know Nick Legan has a wonderful book out, you know, his yeah. gravel book, which is, it's very, very different. I mean, mine is the, sort of a classic bicycling, what I do. It's yeah, prescriptive you know, uh, very pres- exactly. It's very prescriptive. It's got a lot of anecdotes in it. And it really, I just felt like, I felt like it could be really useful for people because gravel is not just one thing and people don't really understand what gravel is. So I just wanted to be able to explain like, this is the spectrum of gravel. This is what it looks like. This is how to best have fun on it. This is what you're going to encounter. You know, this is when it's not so fun. This is what all that stuff. And just, uh, you know, very soup to nuts kind of approach to it with just honesty and humor and, and advice. So I'm, I'm psyched it's out and so that's, uh, I'm just going to give my little pick is my own product. <laughs> it's my own book this week. <laughs> I th- I think yeah. you're within your rights on that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get you my address. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I might know a person. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to read it. I, I'm really excited to see it. Um, ever since you told me that you were working on it. I mean, and Hey, by the way, your turnaround on this. Holy cow. Yeah, sometimes it almost kills me. I mean, honestly, like that. And that was one of them. Um, I started honest working in earnest on it probably in February and my deadline had to have been May. Um, It was very, very short. It was four to five months for sure. Um, And it, you know, at some point you you feel like I feel like I'm on the word mill, you know, like I'm working at a mill. And Yeah. yeah, and then I get worried that, you know, it's not that I, that I don't want it to read like I'm working on the word mill. So, you know, it's, it's not easy. Uh, they, but it is what it is. You know, you just work publishers slot things and they get very uh, particular that this has to be a book that comes out, you know, in X month and this is what we're doing. And I, I, I've been in this game a long time and I know how much I can push back and how much I can't. And it was, I wanted it to come out um, at the same time as unpaved, you know? So I it, I had some vested interest to sit down and give it my attention and and make sure that it was what I wanted it to be and that it would come out then. So so it was good. But yeah, it was um it's hard. It's hard to work on stuff that's that hard of a turnaround, but it for whatever reason that's the book life these days. Yeah. You don't get a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think most folks don't understand, you know, what the timelines normally are and to go from beginning to write something to having printed copies in hand in 10 months or Maybe it was only, well, it's eight. You started writing in February. It's November. Yeah, I signed the contract in probably the beginning of the year. So, I mean, you can say nine, nine, you know, it's it, but it, it's closer yeah. to eight months. I mean, it's closer to an eight month run. Uh, un, under a year is really, it's under that, a year, that, I mean, which is insane. Yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Let's be that clear. That doesn't happen. It's just not. Normally, you know, you're given a year to write something and then they yeah. take a year in terms of corrections and layout. It so doesn't work that way year. anymore. It does not work that way anymore. It does like that. I, I haven't seen that in quite a while, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I mean, I look at like, it's not a Nick Legan, but you know, to be clear, like that, right. that's a coffee table book and that's a different animal. I mean, that's got mm-hmm. a lot of photography. It's got a lot of production, yeah. you know, that that's a different, I'm sure that book took much longer as, as it should have. I'm um, yeah. glossy and all that, but um, yeah, this, this, this was a much, a much quicker run ship for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's really impressive. And again, I'm super excited to read it. I, I'm, I'm very pleased for you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. 
So, uh, for me, when I was readying my bike for Costa Rica, I was told to bring a tire with some grip in case we encountered mud. I've had some Michelin Wild AM competition tires to review, and this seemed like a good uh, occasion to mount them up. I wanted something with bite, with good grip, and with durability, uh, because getting a replacement tire, should I shred one, was not going to be easy. I'll admit that I didn't really encounter any mud. <laughs> That's However, crazy, even though it rained? Yeah, yeah, the 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 land... Uh, the, the soil really absorbs water pretty quickly, at least where we were. Uh, and so that wasn't a problem. And then the dirt roads, you know, there was enough, there was enough sand and rock and whatnot that it just, the soil drained really well. So yeah, mud was not a thing. What surprised me though, was on the dirt roads, which were so chunky that riding a gravel bike would have just been punishing that a gravel bike on that tour, not the way to go, even though, yes, it was all road and dirt road gravel bike, not the thing. Uh, this tire was super, super capable. The big thing I noticed was that in the numerous switchbacks we encountered on our longer descents, this tire broke away less than the tires mm. that my companions were on. I was able to carve tighter lines. I also had better control under hard braking. At one point, her guide, Eduardo, almost went down because he was following me on the descent and I braked hard and late for a turn. And then I heard that unmistakable sound of, you know, tires <laughs> yeah. skidding over the somewhat yeah. sandy That's a terrible surface. sound. Yeah. And I, it's like, oh, great. I'm, I'm going to make him crash. It made the guide <laughs> crash. Way to go, Patrick. He kept it upright, but I think there must have at least been a foot on the ground. Um, the wild AM, AM stands for all mountain. Uh, it's, a, it's really meant to be kind of an enduro tire. It's available in four sizes, 27 by 2.35, 2.6 and 2.8, as well as 29 by 2.35, which is the size that I rode. It's only $49.99. Um, so it's a very affordable tire. Uh, it's set up super easily. I've done uh, one ride on them here at home, and I'm still playing with tire pressure for this environment. But really, the only weakness I've encountered in them was a tendency for the rear tire to skid some under hard braking on dustier surfaces. And, you know, that could be just about any tire, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, but you know, hearing the knobs kind of ping off of rocks as I was tearing down some of those dirt roads, it was like, yeah, this works. This works just fine. And there were times where I was braking so hard. I was just waiting for the tires to break free. Yeah. Uh, and it, it didn't happen. They performed super admirably, really, cool. really capable tire. Yeah. I was, I was stoked with it. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, that's a wrap for another episode of the Pace Line. Celine, your season is over, so no pinning it, of numbers. It is over. Um, the only the only numbers I'll be pinning is we still are cyclocross that little uh, backyard cyclocross series. I think that goes into the first week of December, if I'm mm. correct. So that's fun. You know, I'll just I ride down to that when you know the Thursday nights. I won't probably won't go this Thursday because I have something else to do, but. That's the only time I'll be pinning any numbers on uh, for a while, for sure. I'm back in the gym, <laughs> back into like just just riding. No, no, no racing. I'm I'm done. <laughs> that was official. I was, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, I was thinking about doing some cross races. I think I'm probably going to skip that this year. Yeah, I'm thinking more about what I'm planning for next year. And it's funny how much stuff happens in October now. I'm already thinking about what I will do next fall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm going to do a trail day this weekend. And I'm really oh. looking forward to that. Friend of mine who uh, has been wanting to make friends with people in the club is going to come along. And so it just it should be a really lovely day out there. And I've, I've missed that place being away. Yeah. Alrighty, people. Hey, keep those questions coming. You all have been sending some great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. Don't forget our Paceline kits from Primal. They are up in the RKP store. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull, which will be back soon. 
The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Grows for Cyclists. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.